With Hashem's assistance, we are learning about B'kam and Daphne on Aleph, page 51. We begin at the bottom of Nun base page 50, B, four lines from the bottom. Hahu Torah, there was a certain ox, the Nafala Arita Daloi, that fell into an irrigation ditch that belonged to somebody who was in charge of irrigating fields. So the animal fell in, got damaged, and now it couldn't walk anymore. Shachte Mari and the owner of the animal decided to slaughter the animal so he could sell it for its meat. Tarfei Rav Nachman. Rav Nachman said, this animal is actually not kosher, because since it got damaged, even though you couldn't per se see the damage on the outside of the animal, but for sure if it fell into a ditch like this, it got damaged on the inside, there was internal bleeding perhaps, and therefore the animal is not kosher. So Rav Nachman said it's no good. Am Rav Nachman, and Rav Nachman said to him, If this person, the owner of this animal, had gone and taken a kav, a dry measure of flour, which is an expression meaning if he had taken his time, and he had gone to learn in the base medjish, in the place of learning, if he would have just waited 24 hours, so it wouldn't have been a problem for him to actually go and slaughter the animal. And he wouldn't have lost out on this ox, which has a value of a number of different dry measures of flour. So we can deduce from the statement of Rav Nachman that he holds, that what's this irrigation ditch? So the irrigation ditches, they were called Amas Hamayim. They were called the Ama of water, an Ama is an arm's length, because these ditches were only an arm's length deep. So now, an arm's length is between five and six Tvachim, five and six hands breaths. So it's certainly not the amount that we've been talking about until now that causes damage. But we see from Rav Nachman's statement that there was a damage that was caused here, enough of a damage to make the animal trafe, to make it unfit for slaughtering. That being the case, so we see that even though it was less than 10 tfachim, less, less than these 10 hands breaths, it's enough for there to be a chavata, for there to be an impact that will cause damage. That's what we see from Rav Nachman's statement. So Rabbi asks the following question of Rav Nachman. If let's say you had a boar, a pit, which was less than 10 hands breaths, and an ox or a donkey fell in there, and it died, there's no obligation. My time, why is there no obligation? Maybe, maybe it's because if it's less than 10 tfachim, less than 10 hands breaths, there's no impact that will create an obligation. So that would be a question of Rav Nachman, who said that there would be an obligation. On to the top of Nun Aleph, Nun Aleph, page 51a, like the Gemara answer is no. It's not a good proof, Misham, the less the reason that there's no obligation for death is because it doesn't have enough poor quality air to cause death. But in regards to chavata, in regards to causing damage, there is there is an impact that's that's going to cause the damage. If that's so, this is that it says in the Brisa that if it got damaged, there's an obligation. You just said that there's not enough poor quality air to create an obligation. So what's going on? So he says like this, there isn't enough poor quality air to cause death. But there is enough poor quality air to cause damages. The Gemara continues with another question on Rav Nachman. I'll ask you a question. When they would give a person skila, which means stoning, so the first thing they would do is they would throw him off of a high place until, and he would fall to his death, and then if he still wasn't dead, so they would throw upon him a very large stone, a boulder that would kill him. So now, the height of the place that we, they would throw him from was two stories high. Vitani Allah and we learned upon this, if you would include his own height, so then you have three stories in a certain sense. So now we're asking Rav Nachman, if it would be true that you can cause a chavata, enough of a damage and impact, even less than 10 tvachim, even less than 10 hands breaths, as he said before, so what do you need it to be three stories high? So the Gemara says, hold on a second, according to your very question, it should be enough with only 10 tvachim, with only 10 hands breaths. Why do we need, even according to 
to you to have three stories. So it, the truth is that the reason that we, we require that it should be three stories high, and it needs to be more than even the, the five or six tvachim, the five or six hands breaths that Rav Nachman requires in regards to an animal to make it considered an impact, the reason that we need it over there is because of something that Rav Nachman said there. The Amar of Nachman, Amar Rabba Baravua, he said there in the name of Rabba Baravua, Amar Akro, we have a verse, it says, You should love your neighbor like your friend. This verse teaches us that just like if you were had to be killed for whatever reason, if let's say you were Chayv Misa, you were liable for death, so you would like to have a nice death. It should be a quick death. It shouldn't be painful. So that's what we do for the person who's liable for death. So that's why we require that it be three stories high. And so that's going to be true whether according to Rav Nachman or according to anyone else. What well, doesn't matter what you hold in regards to an animal, we still want to make it that the person dies in a quick way. Ihachi Nigba Tfei. Sigmar says, then why don't we make it an even higher place that he has to fall from? Make it easier quicker. Because what actually happens is that the different limbs of the person's body will get separated from each other, and that's disgusting. It's not covered hamets. It's not proper respect for the person who's about to die, and therefore he would prefer that it not even be so high. Now the Gemara asks another question on Rav Nachman. The verse says that you have to create a fence upon one's roof to make sure that no one falls off of that roof. This is teaching you that the problem is that someone will fall off of it or and not onto the roof. What does that mean? How could you fall onto a roof? What's the case? Let's say this house was embedded into the ground such that the public domain where people are walking is actually higher than the roof of this house by 10 tvachim by 10 hands breasts. And someone falls from the public domain into the roof. Potter. So there's no obligation on the person to create a fence to make sure that no one falls onto his roof. Let's say the opposite is true. You have this house that the, the roof of the house is on ground level. And the Rishus Harabim, the place where people are walking by, so that it's actually lower than the house, it's embedded into the ground. And someone falls off of the roof into the public domain. So there, there would be an obligation, even though your house is on the ground level. Nevertheless, since the Rishus Harabim, the public domain, is lower than that, so there's going to be an obligation to create this fence. If Rav Nachman would be correct in saying that there's enough of an impact, even less than 10 tvachim, less than these 10 hands breaths, to create, to cause death, or to cause a significant impact. Lamali asara, what do we care how high, why do we need this house to be 10 tvachim, 10 hands breaths high? Amar lays, so Rav Nachman responds, Shani bias. It's different in regards to how's the kapachas me'asara lav bayasu. Because whenever you have less than 10 tvachim, there's a different issue, that it's not considered a house. Meaning the Torah only says that there's an obligation to place a fence upon a house. But if it's less than 10 tvachim, it's not a house. Yihachi, the Gemara says, if that's so, hashtanami, the havim avrei asara. So even over here, where in fact on the outside, it is 10 tvachim high, it's 10 hands breaths high, damine tikra umaziva migavoi. If you look at how much space is on the inside, so you're going to have to subtract the width of the roof and the plaster, and then you don't have ten tvachim on the inside, you don't have this amount of space. So it's not considered a house in any event. So you see that, in fact, it has to do with what's on the outside. No, we could say very well, says Rav Nachman, that the inside of the house actually has ten tvachim. It has ten hands breaths. Why? Because you, you hollowed out the bottom of the floor such that there is a space between the floor and the roof, between the floor and the bottom of the roof, this ten tvachim is ten hands breaths.
cigarettes. Ihach is the says, if that's the case, Kilo Havi Nami Avroya Sara, Mishkachas of the Havi Megavoya Sara. So Gemara says, hold on a second. So you could have a case where on the inside it's actually more than ten Tvachim, it's more than the ten hands breaths, and the outside it could be even less than that. Why? Because you could have hollowed it out, could go into Chok Botfei. You've hollowed it out even more on the inside. So we see that Rav Nachman's statement is incorrect because Rav Nachman is saying if it's less than ten Tvachim, you could still have a significant impact. But over here we see that doesn't matter how much is inside because you could have it to be ten on the inside. And, and nevertheless it could be less than ten on the outside. But we see that the determining factor is that it has ten on the outside. Thus we see that only when there's ten or more is it considered a significant impact. Allah Hainu Taim of Nachman. So Gemara says, what's the pshat? What's the understanding of Rav Nachman? Why he says you don't need to have a full ten tvachim, a full ten hands breaths. Savar mikresa the tur la'ara kamahavi. He says when you measure, you have to measure where's most of the animal. Most of the animal is above where the stomach area is of the animal, right? So how high is the stomach area? Arba. It's usually four tvachim, four hands breaths high. Areta did the loy kamahavi. And how deep is this irrigation ditch? Shita. It's it's six tvachim. It's six hands breaths deep. Ha'asaras. If you had the sixth of the four, so you end up with ten. A full ten is how much the animal fell, and therefore When there's an impact, the impact is an impact of ten tefachim of ten hands breaths. This that it says our Mishnah that the pit that we're talking about is in fact ten tefachim, ten hands breaths deep. So that came to include any case where you have a pit or any other kind of ditch which is ten tefachim, ten hands breaths deep. So according to Rav Nachman, it should be enough with six since the animal's stomach usually is above these four tefachim, these four hands breaths. The Mishnah is talking about to include even a case where the animal rolled into the boar, into the pit, and no matter what, there's still going to be these ten hands breaths between the floor and the bottom of the pit, and that's why there's going to be the obligation. We begin the Mishnah. If you have a pit that belongs to two partners, if let's say the first partner passed by and didn't cover it, then the second one passed and didn't cover it, so then the second person is the one that has an obligation. And Rashi explains, that we're going to explain in the Gemara, that the reason is because the first one passed by and the second one, who passed by second, so to speak, he was there working on the pit. So that's why the first one didn't cover it. So now the second one left the site of his working and didn't cover it. So the second one is the one who's obligated in the damages. We begin the Gemara. Amr, we say like this. How do we have a case where we have a pit that belongs to two people? It's good if we say like Rabbi Akiva, the Amr Bor who says that there's an obligation on a pit that was inside of one's own domain. We could have a case as follows. If let's say we had a courtyard that belonged to two people, and the pit belonged to both of them, and they both made the area ownerless, but they didn't make the pit itself ownerless. So then you have a pit that belongs to two people. But if we would hold, like Rabbi Shmuel, who says that the pit, there's no obligation if it's in one's own private domain originally, where do we have a case where there's going to be an obligation for both of them? In the public domain? What's going to be the case in the public domain where you have two partners that they're going to be obligated? If they both made a messenger to do it on their behalf, and they say to him, Go and dig for us a pit, and then the person goes and he digs it for them. So when one person is doing something on another person's behalf, and the action that's being done is a sin, so one person cannot work on someone else's behalf to do a sin. And this would be a sin because it's going to be causing a public stumbling block. So what are you going to say the case is? Where the first one did half of it, it dug five, and the other person did the other five. So then the first person's actions are 
gone because we go after whoever completed it. According to Rebbe, so we can say, we can give an explanation because Rebbe says that if you have one person did half of it and the other person did half of it, so in regards to damages, so he holds that they are considered partners and they both will have an obligation. But according to Rebbe, in regards to death, there's only obligation for the person who completed it. According to the sages, whether we're talking about death or whether we're talking about damages, it also goes only after whoever completed it. So how can we have a case? That they both were involved in the final blow, the final digging. Perhaps they both were holding the shovel as they took out the last, they took out the last clump of dirt and they made it to be ten tfachim, ten hands breadths deep. My Rebbe, my Rabbana. The one wants to know what is the case where there was a discussion between Rebbe and the rabbis. The time we have a brisa. Echad achaver bortisha. If you have one person who digs a pit which is nine hands breadths deep, uba achaver shlim lasara, and then another person comes and completes it. So now it's ten tvachim. It's now ten hands breadths deep. Achren chayev. The last person is the one who has the obligation. He's completed it. It's considered the pit that he made. Rebbe Aimer. So Rebbe says achar achren lemisa achar shneim lenezalkin that you go after the last person in regards to death because the last one. Was the, the one who created the possibility for someone to die in it. But in regards to Nezakin, in regards to damages, so it was already prepared, it was already possible to cause damages even before. So now, even though this person has now added on the 10th tevach, the 10th hand's breath, he's only created an obligation for himself in regards to death, which wasn't there before. But they would both have a share in any obligation in regards to damages. My time with the Rabbana. Now, what's the reasoning of the rabbis, which was the first opinion that says that the second guy has the full obligation? The Amarkak is the verse says, If you shall open up someone else's pit, or you shall create your own pit. So, as we said previously, if a person has an obligation, if I just open up someone else's pit, I'll create a culture concern if I dig my own pit. So, what's it coming to teach us? What's the extra limud, the extra verse coming to say? This comes to teach you that if one person starts the pit, and then someone else completes it, the second person takes away and he takes full credit for this pit. So what does Rebbe say? We actually need these verses. You can't learn that out because we need these verses for something that we mentioned in the last Elidaf and Daf Nunamad Aleph in regards to the fact that if it had said one, we wanted them the other. Right? So what the sages also would say that we need it for those reasons. So rather the, the rabbis are going to have a different limit, a different way to learn out their concept. Because the verse says, The verse says, If a man shall dig a pit, it's singular, and it's not plural. It's, that's teaching you that only one of them is going to have the obligation for creating this pit. So what is Rebbe going to respond? He needs that verse to teach you something else. The verse says, If a man shall open up a pit, this is coming to exclude, If an ox creates a pit, there's no obligation on the owner of the ox. And the sages say, it says twice in the verses, a man shall open a pit. Thus, we can learn both things for Rebbe. And Rebbe responds and says, I did the cause of high, cause of high. You can't learn anything from the second one, because once the Torah used this expression, so it uses it again. But it's not coming to say that you can make another drush or learn something else out from those words. We might basra. How do we know it's coming to make an obligation on the second person? Maybe it's coming to say that only one person has an obligation, and who's that person? The first person. The Gemara says, don't think that. Because the verse says, The dead body shall be- become his. So the only 
only one that can become his is only the person that caused the death. And that's only the second person, because the first person only created enough possibility for damage. The second person was the one who created the possibility for death. The Gemara challenges now, This statement of the verse, which says that the dead body will be to him, we need it for something else. You can't learn out this learning from it. You can't learn out this drasha. We need it for Rav's statement. Rav Rav says, If you have an ox that had originally been meant to be brought as a sacrifice in the temple, and then for, for some reason it became unfit, that it fell into a pit, and specifically a pit, other things that caused the damage, there would be an obligation, but in regards to a pit, patr, there's no obligation. Because the verse says, and the body, the dead carcass will be to him. That means it has to be completely to him. In regards to something that could have been or should have been brought as a sacrifice, but now it's got a blemish or something, it can't be brought. So it, while it's true in certain cases, it still can be used by the owners. Nevertheless, they can't use it for every purpose. They can't give it to their dogs, let's say. So this verse implies that it has to be completely able to be used. And it's not true in regards to such an animal, which had been originally meant for a sacrifice and got blemished. So therefore, there's no obligation to pay if this animal got damaged. So the implication of the verse was to come to teach you that only if the animal is his, then, then you have to pay for it. So how can you tell me it's coming to teach you that the obligation is on the person who's the second person who created the possibility for death? Amri, so we say, this is not a drusha, we're not learning it out from an extra word in the verse. It's clear just from the, if you read the verses, you don't have to learn anything extra from extra words. It's just the simple understanding of the verses that we're talking about a person who caused the death. He's the one who has the obligation. And that's talking about the second person. That's why we say that in fact the second person has the obligation and the first person does not. We have a if let's say one person digs a pit, which is ten handsbreadths deep, it's enough to cause death. Someone else comes along and digs it even deeper, twice the depth. So now it's even more likely to cause death. And someone else comes in and he makes it thirty handsbreadths deep, even more likely to cause death. They all have an obligation, they're all included, since the first person and the second person, they each added on more of a likelihood of death, so they all have an obligation if somebody dies. Or a minute, I'll bring you a contradiction. If let's say somebody dug a pit, which was ten tfachim, ten hands breadth deep, and someone else comes along and makes the pit actually more claustrophobic. He adds cement into the pit to make it smaller, the area. The density of the poor air quality becomes greater, and it's more likely now to cause death. Only the last person has an obligation to pay. So that would seem to imply in the second price, not like the first price. The first price is saying that even if somebody adds on, whoever created the original possibility also has an obligation. The second price seems to say that even if there already was a possibility for death, whoever created the greater chance is the one who has an obligation. So the Gemara in Aleph Mabez 51b says, Why don't we say that one of them is Rebbe and one of them is the rabbis? Why? So Rashi explains that in a previous machleg, in a previous argument, so the rabbi said that even though the first person created a possibility for damages by, by creating a pit which is nine tvachim deep, Nevertheless, the fact that the 10th person created more of a possibility for damages, now only the 10th person has an obligation. So that means, according to the rabbis, so even if somebody did it already, created the possibility, the last person who made a greater possibility, he's the one who has an obligation. So that sounds like the second price. What does Rebbe say? Rebbe says that if the first person created a possibility for damages, even though the second person made a greater possibility for damages, both of them have an obligation now. So that sounds like the first b'risa, where each of them was adding on uh, more of a possibility for death, and they all have an obligation. So it sounds like one b'risa is, Rebbe wants the Rabbanon, Amar Rav Zviz, Rav Ha Rabbanon. Really we could say that both b'risas are the rabbis. When did the rabbis say that only the last one has an obligation, that even though the first one created a possibility 
responsibility. Only the last one does. Only in regards to damages where the first person had not created a possibility for death. Where the first person had already created enough of a possibility for death. Even the sages would agree to cool and chayavin that all of them would have an obligation. So the Gemara says, wait, what about the second b'risa? So according to the rabbis, how does that work out? Where the first person had created the ka'avid kama shi'ur misa in the second b'risa, so the first person had created a possibility for death. And then the second person came along and made it more claustrophobic. And there it says, only the second one has an obligation. So how does that fit in with what we're saying according to the rabbis? So we can say like this over there, that when the first person created that pit, it did not in fact have the ability to cause death. It didn't have enough poor air quality to cause death. How is that? So Tosis explains, because if let's say the pit is very wide, even if it's 10 tvachim deep, even if it's 10 hands breadth deep, if it's more than 10 hands breadth wide, so it's not going to have enough poor air quality to cause death. So that being the case, the first guy didn't create a pit that could cause death. Now the second person came along, made it more claustrophobic. He's the one who created, he alone was the one who created the possibility to cause death. That's why he alone has the obligation in this case. Another possibility, Amr Ravziviz says, Both of them in fact are according to Rebbe. What did Rebbe say? Rebbe said that the first person and the second person, whoever created a possibility, they all have obligations. So how do we explain the second b'risa? So according to the first b'risa, the one that says that everyone has obligations, very good. The one that says that only the second one has an obligation, how do we explain that? That when the person originally created that 10 tefach, that sent 10 hands breadth deep pit, it did not have enough poor air quality to create neither damages in regards to death and re- damages in regards to damages. And then someone else came along and made it more cramped, more constricted, enough to be able to cause death and to be able to cause damages. And that's why only the second person has the obligation. Amar Rav, Rav says, Let's say there's a pit which is less than 10 tvachim deep, less than 10 hands breadth deep. And then someone comes along, and instead of digging on the bottom to make it a full 10 tvachim, so he actually adds on around the edge of the pit some stones. And thereby, it's created that if one would fall from the stone down to the bottom of the pit, now it's 10 tvachim distance. So Rav says this would involve the same exact argument between Rebbe and Rabbanon. Who's the one that's considered now taking responsibility? Is it only going to be the person who completed it by adding the stones, or is it going to be the person before also has an obligation in regards to Nezakin? It's going to be the same exact argument. Pshita, the Gemara says, of course, it's obvious. I would have thought, only perhaps when a person has gone and dug on the bottom of the pit and completed it to ten tvachim, only then is it considered that he has actually caused a death because the extra air space, the extra poor quality air, he's the one who dug out the place where that air is and therefore he's the one who killed him. But when someone added on the stones around the top, so the extra poor airspace, it was not one that he actually created, the one who completed the ten tvachim, a malay. So we might say that there would be no obligation on the person. That's what it's coming to teach you. That's what Rav is coming to say. That in fact it will be the same exact kind of concept. The obligation will be on the person who put the stones around the edge because he's the one who completed the possibility of ten tvachim of the ten hands breaths. Boy, Rav. Rav asks a different question. Let's say in either of these two cases, Tom Tefach, if let's say the person had completed the tenth Tefach, the tenth hands breath, he goes and he fills in that hands breath. Whatever he did, he filled in. Or in the case where a person brought these stones, so he took away those 
of stones. Mahu, what's going to be the halacha? Has he indeed taken away his responsibility? Miyamrina, do we say Mada Avid Shakle? Do we say that that which he's done, he took away? Or perhaps Nisaku Maisarishan. Perhaps by the, by the fact that he completed it already, so the first person's actions are, they've disappeared, so to speak. The, the second person has now taken on full responsibility. Now it's completely under his jurisdiction. It's his responsibility to take care of it, and he has to fill it in completely, and any damage that's caused perhaps now falls on his shoulders, even though he's taken away the action that he's done. Teiku, we don't have an answer to this question. Amar Rabba Barachana. Rabba Barachana said, Amar Shmuel Barmarta, the name of Shmuel Barmarta. Bor if you have a pit which is exactly eight tefach, eight hands breadth deep, umehen mayim, and two out of those eight tefachim are water, chayiv, there's an obligation. My timer, what's the reason? Even though you don't have a ten tefach deep pit, kal tefach damaya ketrei di Because in this case where you have exactly eight tefachim, eight hands breadths, and two of them are water, so the water, it's as if each tefach, each hands breadth of water is like two hands breadths without water. Because, as Rashi explains, when you have water, so it actually creates poorer air quality. So Nathagamar asks, that sounds like it's talking about specifically an eight tefach pit. If you only have eight hands breaths, what about if it's a little bit more, a little bit less? I'll ask you a question. Let's say it was nine. It was nine hands breaths deep. And only one of those tefachim, of those hands breaths, was water. What's going to be the halacha? Do we say Since there's not as much water, less behavla, so it doesn't create as poor air quality, and therefore it's not considered like it's ten tefach deep, like it's ten hands breaths deep. Or do we say Perhaps came in the Amik face since it's deeper, it's mehavla. So then there's more poor air quality because of the fact that it's deeper, and therefore it's going to be considered that there is enough poor air quality to cause death. Another question, Borshiva, let's say it's less, let's say it's less than eight, it's seven. And we have more water, there's three hands breaths of water. Since there's more water, even more, therefore that creates more of a poor air quality, or perhaps, since it's not as deep, less mehavla. Since there's only four tefach of air, so maybe this combination does not allow us to be considered that the air quality is so poor that it's going to cause death or damage. Take a, we have no answer. We have another question that Rabbi Shizbi asked from Rabbah. Let's say somebody comes along, you have a pit which is already 10 tefachim deep, it's already 10 hands breaths, has the ability to kill. Someone else comes along and he widens the pit. So he responded and said, there's no obligation, because he actually made it less likely for an animal to get killed, because there's better air circulation, and there's less poor quality air. So he responded and said, other way around, he made it more likely that an animal would get killed that would fall in there. Why? And Rashi explains, because now that there's less space for the animal to walk, it's more likely that it's going to fall into this pit. Ravashi says, We can do as we can determine, we can look at the case and see what happened. If the animal died because of the poor air quality, so this person, by making it wider, he's added on better air quality to it, so he's not going to have a responsibility. If the animal died because of the impact, so then in fact he would be held responsible because he made it more likely that an animal would get damaged. Those who say, Ravashi, the Ravashi said, let us see in each case, different way of determining whether he has responsibility. If it fell, if the animal fell from the side that he widened, so then it's his fault, he made it more likely that the animal would fall. But if the animal fell from the other side, not the side that he had widened, so in fact he made it less likely that the animal would die from the other side because there's less poor quality air. So therefore he would not have an obligation.
Itmar. We have an Amoraidic statement. Borsha Oimka Kirdachova. Let's see if a pit whose depth and its width are the same. Rabbi Vir Rav Yosef the Amri Mishmid the Rabbi Barbachano the Amri Mishmid the Rabbi Mani. Rabbi and Rav Yosef said in the name each of them said in the name of Rabbi Barbachano and the name of Rabbi Mani. Chad Amar one says La Oilam Yeshba Hevel Adshi Rechava Yasar Oimka. If you want to know when is it considered enough poor quality air, it's always considered poor enough quality air until the width of the pit is greater than the depth of the pit. If they're equal still, it's still considered poor quality air. V'chanam, or the other one says, no. When is it that it's considered that it has poor enough quality air to cause damage or death? Only if the depth is greater than the width. But if it's equal, then in fact, according to this second person, there will be no obligation. Now, we go back to the Mishnah where we said, So we said, if let's say we have a boar, a pit which belongs to two partners, and on the surface what the Mishnah seems to be saying is that if one person, one of the two partners passes by, and then the second one passes by, so the second one's the one who has the responsibility. Now, what's the case? What's going on? The Gemara asks, At which point does the first person not have a responsibility? Both They both said in the name of Rabbi Barachana, in the name of Rabbi Mani, they each said two different things in the same name of the same person. It seems that they both understood it differently. One says that if the first one passes by and the second one is using the pit, so then there's no responsibility on the first person. And the second person says no, not until he actually, the first person was involved in using it, and then the second person comes along. And the first person says to him, listen, here's the cover of the pit, you please take responsibility to make sure the pit is covered. If in that case, he doesn't cover the pit, the second person, and someone falls in and is damaged, so then the responsibility rests entirely upon the second person. Kitanoi, the Gemara says, this is actually an argument between Tanoim. Hamidala Mayim in Habor, someone takes out water from a pit, Ubachaveroi, and comes along his friend, meaning the other person who's involved, who owns the pit, Vamarle, and he says to them, Hanachli, please leave it for me, Vani Adalamayim. I'm going to take out water next, so leave it open for me. So when he leaves him there, and he's involved in using it, so there's no obligation. Rabbi Yaakov says, until he actually gives him the cover of the pit and says, you are responsible for covering the pit. Now, what is the argument here? Rabbi Yaakov says, there's a concept that whenever I'm taking water from the pit, so what am I doing? Am I only taking from my own section of the pit if I have a partner? Or am I also using the section that belongs to my partner? So according to Rabbi Yaakov, he holds yesh brera. Yesh brera means that it becomes clear retroactively that after whatever water I took out, I only was using my section of that pit. And I wasn't using the section of the pit that belonged to my partner. If that's the case, according all I used was my section, and I never took responsibility for the other person's section. Each person had been filling up from their own section exclusively, and they had not involved themselves in the other person's section. So nobody accepted upon themselves the responsibility to watch the other person's thing. So therefore, until the first person actually gave over the cover of the pit and said to him, please, you, the second person, take responsibility for the pit, make sure it's completely covered, both my section and your section. So until there's that explicit statement, so then the, the second person is not accepting responsibility upon himself. Virabon and Sari, the sages say, Ain Brera, that no, that when I fill up my 
pail from the water inside of the pit. So I'm actually using both my section and your section if you're my partner. And therefore, I accept upon myself, as soon as you leave, I accept upon myself with the responsibility to make sure that both my section and your section are covered up. Therefore, as soon as you leave, even without stating anything, even without giving me the cover and saying, please cover it up for me. So even without that, there's a responsibility now upon me since I'm using your section as well. And therefore, if there's any damage that's caused subsequently, if I haven't properly watched it, so I'm the one who's going to have to take responsibility. Amar Ravina, Ravina says, Both the Rabbanon and Rabbi Elizabeth and Yaakov, they go according to their own reasoning. They say a similar type of idea elsewhere. There's a different application there. We have a Mishnah. Let's say you have two partners that they both vow that they won't get any kind of benefit from each other. So according to the Tanakam, according to the Rabbanon, the sages, so both of them are not allowed to enter into this field, into this courtyard that they jointly own. Rabbi Elizabeth Yaakov says, This one can go into his section, and this one can go into his section. But my Kamathiki, what are they arguing about? Rabbi Lezben Yaakov says it's okay for each of them to go in because when they go in, they're not actually accessing the other person's things because whatever section they're in, it becomes apparent retroactively that this is the section that belongs to him. Neither one of them is transgressing on the vow not to get benefit from the other one because each one is going into his own section. But the sages hold no, they can't go in because they hold it does not become clear retroactively that each one has only gone into the section that belongs to them. Rather, each one is benefiting from the other person's part, and therefore, since they vowed that they wouldn't get benefit from the other person, they cannot go in there at all. Amar Rebbe Lazar, says, If somebody sells a pit to his friend, as soon as he gives over the cover of the pit, that's when the transfer has occurred, and it now belongs to the person who's buying it. Hey, dummy, what's the case? If the case was where they were buying it with money, so as soon as he gives the money, that's when the transaction should take place. If the person is going to, to show his balance, to show his ownership, by doing an action that shows that he's an owner, so then that's when he should, the, the transaction should take place. So he said, really I'll tell you that besides from giving over the cup of the pit, he is going to do an action of showing his ownership. However, however, it's necessary in every transaction for the person who's selling it to say to the person who's buying it, go do an action of acquiring it and acquire it. So even though in this case he had not said those words, and it's normally necessary for him to say those words, by giving over the cover of the pit, it's similar and says, if that he said to him, go make an action of acquiring it and acquire it.